Want to listen to Soar LA preachings on the go? Well, now you can with our Soar LA podcast. You can listen to all of our preachings and messages that we have on Soar LA Encounter Night. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. Soar Ministry, a new evangelization. So I'm going to share... It's also included in this passage of the resurrection. So if we can go to Luke uh, chapter 24, the gospel, the gospel of Luke chapter 24. And uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, verse 13 and uh, the story, the title of it is the appearance, the, the appearance on the road to Emmaus. Um, like I said, it's going to combine the resurrection and the passion I love this story. I relate to it. I definitely relate to the two men who are uh, walking along the road and seem to have lost their faith. They were disciples of Jesus, not the 12, but they were some of his other disciples. And um, I guess we'll just get into it. Um, So the Bible verse uh, 13 tells us now that very day, two of them were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem. Can you give it to us one more time? One more, one more time? Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, 24 verse 13. Thank you. And we're going to go all the way kind of to the end. Uh, we're going to go to about chapter 35. Right, so you. I'm going to kind of go share and then I'll give a little insight. And I don't know uh, if the plan is. Are we going to share? Are you guys going to share at the end, or are people going to jump in and maybe ask? But or how 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 does this work? It's, I'm just going to go along. Is that just oh, go okay. with the flow? It'll be more interactive. So if people have questions or you have questions for us to answer, um, just let us know. Okay, good, good. Okay, let's start. It says, "Now that day, two of them were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus." And they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. So basically, these two men, two disciples, not, they weren't the 12, but they were two followers of Jesus, were talking about what had occurred over the weekend, which had been the passion, the passion of their friend, Jesus Christ. And and it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. So this is really interesting. They're talking about Jesus while Jesus is kind of like shimming, shimmying up, if that's <laughs> if that's a word, kind of like creeping uh, up to them on the side. And he's like eavesdropping on their conversation. Really interesting, right? And it says, um, it says, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing. Okay, let's start with the first question. If anybody wants to jump in, why could these men not see Jesus? Any ideas, any thoughts? I have a thought, but maybe if anybody wants to jump in, why could these two men not see Jesus? Um, I would say because their faith wasn't strong. That was just okay. that's my thought. Good, excellent. Any other ideas? Why could they not see Jesus? Well, they just saw him die, so they couldn't like 
believe that. Great. <laughs> you know, be alive, like, even though you said it. That's a great, great point. I hadn't even thought of that one, but that is really good. Kind of like, like Daniela said, their faith was not strong, so I know that it's their eyes weren't truly open. Okay, and good. Actually, like, when somebody dies, you wouldn't think of seeing them again. Exactly. <laughs> okay, good. So I'll give uh, my perspective. You know, if, if we keep reading on, it says, he asked them, what are you discussing as you walked along? They stopped looking downcast. So basically, these brothers are going through a period of depression, loss, and you know when you're down, it's it's sometimes it's hard to experience God. It's it's like people talk to you about God. God is with you, man. You're at the funeral. You're at your relative is in a coffin, and um, people try to console you, and they 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 talk to you about God. And sometimes at that moment, right, you know, you don't you're you're upset or you're or or you're or you're sad. And I think maybe that had something to do with these guys not being able to recognize Jesus. And then there's also a thought that, or something we see in scripture is also that Jesus appeared in different forms, right? Like he, he wasn't easy to recognize at times. So, you know, and also something that we see sometimes when the Virgin Mary appears in apparitions, right? We see her in different, depending on the location where she's appearing, it seems like, like if you see Guadalupe, she has more of a of a, uh, an, an indigenous uh, appearance, right? So we could also maybe conclude uh, uh, some of those things. It could be sadness. It could be that Jesus appeared in a different form, right? Um, and I, I like all your ideas. I think that's the awesome thing about Bible study. It's like my perspective isn't right and everything you guys, I hadn't thought of the one that Jason uh, con- uh, 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 contributed right now, but um, the interesting thing is, it's like Jesus is the actor, right? He is, he he participated in the crucifixion. He was brought to trial, and you think to yourself, well, why didn't Jesus just go up to these men and say, "Hey, look, this is the way it happened," right? He he's kind of just eavesdropping on them. So then it says they stop looking downcast, and one of them named Cleopas, we only get one of their names, Cleopas, said to him in reply, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have taken place in these days? And he replied to them, what sort of things? Okay, what comes to mind right now as we see Jesus, why is he asking them (laughs) what took place when he knows what took place, right? Okay, any thoughts on that? Any thoughts there? Anybody want to jump in? Why did Jesus ask them what they're talking about? He knows what they're talking about. He was in the um, he was in the event. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, he's the crucified one. Why did Jesus ask them? Any thoughts? He wanted their perspective. He wanted their perspective. Okay. He wanted them to recognize what just happened again. Okay, good. Anybody else? Okay, so I'll give my perspective now. So have you ever had a loss? Have you ever been in a situation where 
you're going through it and then all of a sudden people come and they start to like talk to you or and you know they might be like hey man like put your head up man you know like your your relative is in heaven right or um or or they or they want to know like all the details like hey man like what happened dude what happened like tell me what happened man what what did the doctors tell you man man i saw your dad not so long ago he was doing good and like like they want to know all the details right and and we kind of see jesus approaching two people that just had a loss in a way where he's making himself a listener he's just kind of approaching them and he's like okay what type of things and and, and the i think the lesson that we can get from you know jesus attitude is that instead of coming in right away and giving the answer and 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 saying hey look it's me jesus i'm the one that was up on the cross he he kind of lets them talk so we're going to see clearly why these men have lost their faith and why they're going back they're going to a town in mayas basically in my opinion to uh probably go look for a job uh, this whole thing about serving God and serving Jesus and Jesus, the Messiah, they gave up on that. We're going to see, in my opinion, like pretty clearly what happened to their faith. It says, it says, and he replied to them, what sort of things? I'm in uh, uh, verse, uh, hmm. I'm in verse 19. They said to him, the things that happened to Jesus, the Nazarene, who was Check out the check out their language. Who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. So they're they're talking in past tense. Who was a prophet, mighty indeed? Meaning, in our mind, he no longer is. Who was a prophet, uh, mighty indeed, and word before all the people? How our chief priests. And rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. So, but we were hoping, there it is, check that out as well. This is another reason for their loss of faith. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides this, it is now the third day since this took place. Can you see clearly why these men have lost their faith? They're saying he was a prophet mighty indeed before the people. We we thought he was mighty indeed. We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he would be the one to rescue Israel. But we don't think it anymore because he went up to Jerusalem and he was supposed that's where he was supposed to shine. Not only before our leaders, they were they didn't recognize him as the Messiah. They crucified him. And then they turned him over to the to the Romans who actually executed the um the execution, the, the cross, and they didn't recognize Jesus either. They crucified him at the at the uh, uh manipulation of the um what do you call it? The Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin. So that's 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 what you call. The, the Jewish court, which was made up of religious and uh, also um, there were Sadducees, Pharisees, and they all came together and made decisions for Israel. It was called the Sanhedrin, so kind of their court. Basically, they tried Jesus, they decided he should die, and then eventually they turned him over to the Romans and then pressured Pilate 
to crucify Jesus. Okay, so, so far, I think we're doing good. Any comments, questions, anything not clear so far? How many of you guys have ever lost your faith because you thought wrong things about God? I don't know. That might be a good question to consider. Mm -hmm. I haven't lost my faith because I thought wrong things about God, but I did lose my faith because I thought God would do something and then he didn't. Yeah. Okay, good. That's I think that's what's happening to these guys too. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else want to chime in on that? Well, well, actually, um, we had a real uh, bad track. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. We had a, I had a tragedy where I, um, a family member was was murdered, mm-hmm. and so it was one of those things. I blamed God, you know, because mm-hmm. why didn't He take care of her? And in actuality, I I didn't. I found God. I don't know if you can understand that. I I, I was either going to turn away from God and just be so angry at him, or I was going to find God. And I ended up, that was how my journey began. So my, my family member's death was not in vain because I went towards God to help Amen. me. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for sharing. Anybody else? I think for me, um, it was also kind of like Daniela. Um, for me, it was in regards to my father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was very uh, physically and emotionally abusive to us. And I was, you know, I was like, God, why, you know, why didn't you give my dad the strength to surpass the abuse that his father did? You know, mm-hmm. I was questioning, like, why can couldn't my dad break that cycle and, you know, be a better man for us? Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I met God through, you know, through that situation and, you know, Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Any Anybody else? Okay. Um, so I was going to say, I think uh, I really relate to the story um, because we can clearly see these guys mistake. You know, they, we thought um, we were hoping. So um, I think we can all relate to that. I think, you know, one of the things I have a younger brother and he passed away in 2015. And for me, after all these years of praying for him, I thought, you know, eventually he's going to come to God the way I did. And he didn't. And I sat there at his funeral, like, like, man, it was a blow, you know, it was a blow thinking, man, God, like, I think I had that question, like, God, I thought you were going to bring my brother out of a certain lifestyle that was, you know, sinful. And my brother got crazily caught in drugs. You know, it was a shock. We found out he had been using meth afterwards. So I feel you guys, I think we can all relate to the story that sometimes we think so. So it's, here's the a good question or a good, good comment. You know, we can think that God should have acted that way, or we can say, you know, I don't understand this trial, but you're with me. 
you're with me. You're going to carry me. Your, your grace is with me. I'm going to still walk with you. So it is sometimes it becomes a decision. Okay. So I'm going to read, read ahead. And, um, uh, it says, uh, I'm, I'm in, uh, verse 29, I think. Yeah. Or no, wait. 21, no, 21, I think. <laughs> 21, sorry. <laughs> my, my eyes, even with glasses. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. In other words, we were hoping he was the Messiah. We were hoping he was the one, the awaited one. We were hoping he was the, the one that would deliver us from the Romans. And then they're saying, and besides this, this is the third day. Some women from our group, however, have astounded that they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. So there they have it. These guys got word. But what I think, the reason I think that they they, they were like, well, I mean, is God really going to talk to the to these ladies? I mean, he would have gone to Peter. That's just my own opinion, I think. That these guys were just like, you know, it's been three years, we're done, we're over this, and we're going to go do something else. Um, and so they were looking for an excuse, I think, to, you know, walk away from the path, which is definitely a temptation a lot of times, you know. We put in so much time into this walk, we, we you know, we work on ourselves to become good Christians, we read our Bible, we pray the rosary, we go to Mass, we practice the sacraments. And then there's times where it seems like everybody around you is just having fun, right? And going on vacation and and just doing whatever they want. So that's always a temptation. So I think these guys were um, at that point. And then it says, um, let me see, uh, verse 24. Then some of the, uh, let's see, no, 25. And he said to them, okay, look, look how Jesus now rebukes them. He hears them. He lets them talk. He lets them share with whatever they want, right? And now he rebukes them. It says, and he said to them, oh, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer? So here Jesus is saying that the Messiah, according to God's plan, not according to the way Cleophas and a lot of other people interpreted things, had to suffer. These things and enter into his glory. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in the scriptures. So here we see Jesus taking them through the Old Testament scriptures uh, and, and it says, beginning with Moses and the prophets. And I think I just want to, I want to share with you guys, uh, uh, just some possibilities, write down Psalm 22. Um, another scripture, uh, write down Exodus 12. Um, let me see. There's, um, what else? What else? Uh, write down Isaiah 53. And we are going to read uh, two of those. And then um, write down. Um, let's let me just find this one. Write down Genesis 22. But uh, 
So the Bible says that Jesus, as he walked along with these two disciples, explained to them the scripture, starting with Moses and taking them through the prophets. So I want to take you first to Moses. So we're going to go to Exodus chapter 12. And you're going to see a connection between an Old Testament passage. And this is just my own guess where Jesus took them. It's a guess, but I think it's a good guess. <laughs> so go to Exodus 12. And um, let's see where I'm going to start reading. I'm going to start reading in verse 3. Exodus chapter 12, verse 3. Okay, so let me give you some background on, on this Bible passage, just so you can uh, kind of understand it. Um, so basically, we all know, we've all heard of Moses. We've heard of the, you know, we've heard of the, not the 10 plagues. Um, we know that, you know, frogs came onto the land of Egypt. The water turned into blood. And there's all these crazy things that happened, right? To Pharaoh and you know Pharaoh was pretty stubborn and you know continued to tell Moses and Aaron uh he'd say okay I'll let him go and then he changed his mind and then finally we go to the night which is called Passover um and this is where I think Jesus might have taken these two disciples and and it says this Exodus 12 chapter 3 tell the whole uh community of Israel on the 10th of this month, every family must procure itself for itself a lamb. Notice that that night, the Israelites, the Jews, which were in captivity, their slaves of the Egyptians were instructed on this particular day or particular night to take for themselves a lamb. Now, you have to uh, also look at the characteristics of the lamb. The Bible tells us um, every family must procure for itself a lamb. Not every individual. This is going to be a family affair. And it says, one apiece for each household. If a household is too small for a lamb, it, along with its nearest neighbor, will procure one and apportion the lamb's cost. In proportion to the number of persons, according to what each household consumes. Verse five, your lamb must be a year old male. The lamb must be a male. And look at the characteristic. This is very, very important. A year old male without blemish, no spots. Uh, uh, it needs to be a perfect lamb out of the litter, out of the bunch. This lamb has to be the best one because God loves, you know, the best things, right? Amen. We got to be the best for God because God deserves the best. Then it says, you must take it from either the sheep or the goats. You will keep it until the 14th day of this month. And then with the whole community of Israel assembled. Now we see it's not only a family affair, it's a community affair. Beautiful. You see the that you see God's plan. It's not an individual plan. God doesn't just want to save you. He wants to save your family. He doesn't just want to save your family. He wants to save your community. Amen. And then it says, uh, it will be slaughtered during the evening twilight. 
They will take some of the blood and apply it to the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They will consume its meat that same night, eating it roasted with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Okay, so we're kind of getting the drift. Uh, uh, Verse 10, this is how you are to eat it with your loins girt sandals on your feet and your staff in hand you will eat it in a hurry it is the lord's passover for this same night i will go through egypt striking down every firstborn in the land human being and beast alike and executing judgment on all the gods of egypt i the lord but for the blood for before you, the blood will mark the houses where you are. Seeing the blood, I will pass over you. Thereby, when I strike the land of Egypt, no destructive blow will come upon you. Okay, good. And this will be a day of remembrance for you, which your future generations will celebrate with the pilgrimage with pilgrimage to the lord you will celebrate it as a statute forever these two jews along with all the other jews celebrated this event called the passover where they had to take a lamb a perfect lamb without spot without blemish uh, had to be perfect the best one and then they had to slaughter it Imagine that uh, uh, the the head of the household, let's just say the father, uh, took a knife or, or and and thrust the lamb, and that blood that blood was put in a basin or in 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 you know some sort of bucket, and it was saved. Now the lamb had to be consumed. So I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's a lot of Eucharistic. Uh, uh, principles or 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 typology they call it like examples in this passage right we consume jesus right amen on sundays we also uh remember the moment when he shed his blood on the cross right and 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 for catholics right for catholics the the, the passion doesn't start at the cross for catholics the passion starts with the meal, right? The Eucharist, the celebration, Jesus gathering with his disciples. Now imagine that Jesus is walking with these two men and he's speaking to them about Moses and that night of the Passover. And he's reminding them that the lamb had to be a lamb without blemish. And now Jesus is saying that that man, right? They still don't know it's Jesus walking next to him, but he's saying That that man, remember when John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And and, and, and Jesus is reminding them that when uh, uh, Pilate was trying uh, Jesus and he couldn't find anything wrong. He was like, I find find no guilt in this man. He's a lamb without blemish. Amen. You see that? He is, that was... The Lamb of God without blemish. And then, and then Jesus goes up on the cross and he sheds his blood. And what many thought was the end of Jesus, right? But no, it was actually the moment where he was shedding his blood 
for all of humanity. Not only for each man of the world, but for each family and for each community, right? Jesus was shedding his blood as the lamb without blemish for every single human being that would walk the face of the earth, right? Here Jesus is explaining to them about the, the Passover. There is a new Passover, right? There is a, a, a lamb without blemish. That man that went up on the cross, Jesus is telling them, is your freedom. Why, why is Jose Alvarez no longer using drugs? Why, am I, why was I able to beat pornography? Why was I able to beat fornication? Why was I able to beat violence and hatred and, and things that I repeated for years and years and years and did over and over and became addicted to and just eventually gave up and said, you know what? I'm cursed. I'm doomed. I'm just, uh, I'm doomed to be a junkie. I'm doomed to be violent. This is just who I am. My family's just going to have to accept me until I applied the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of my heart. Right. And then eventually I discovered that no longer the enemy could oppress me, could drive me into sin. I was free. Right. And imagine that Jesus is reminding them of the Passover. Any any questions on this? Any comments? Do you guys see it? Do you guys see the connection to the mass on Sundays? Any comments? For me personally, the thing that I saw in the middle of you reading the scripture was just the similarity that we just talked about. What came into my head was I just like went into like this vision of the whole process of the passion of Christ, beginning with the Last Supper, going to his death on the cross, and the similarities between the scripture in Exodus and the passion, it just like personally, like I just went there in my mind. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hoping for that we can see Jesus. You know, you look at so many similarities to a lamb. He stayed silent. You know, people were like, are you the, the son of God? And you know, they're, they're all rebuking Jesus and they're coming to him angrily. And he, he's, he's sitting there silent like a lamb, like, you know what I mean? Being God. So any, any other comments? No, the only thing that, um, it's interesting that you bring this up, you know, and the only thing I thought about it right now is how he, he's explaining this to his disciples, right? Like the passion, the Passover, but even him, when he was alive, he would explain that all the time that, that time was going to come when we would have new transitions and new uh, things that we would have to do, right? That, and I feel like at that point, like, again, going going back, like, they were disappointed and they couldn't, they couldn't, obviously they were hurting too, right? And they couldn't yeah. see it. So I think God himself, again, reminded them of what he already spoke when he was alive. Exactly. And I think he even told them, you know, like, um, you know, Peter rebukes him, right? And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, you know? Um, so it's like, I think Jesus would tell him, I'm going to go up on the cross, but they never believed it. Like they were like, 
come on, Jesus, you're Jesus. Like, we've seen you walk on water. Are you really going to go to the cross? I don't think they believed he was. Any other comments? I had another um, connected the two stories together, and I think it's really um, powerful in the sense, like Daniela said, um, he reminds us of what he said. And I feel like in our lives, or, you know, I'll just speak on my behalf, God has always reminded me that he's there through the Bible, through prayer, um, in life in general, simple things like a bird, um, a little insect. I feel like he reminds me that he's there. And just like, you know, in these chapters and like the verses we just spoke, he's kind of reminding um, them that he's here. He's still alive and he's like full of so much love that he's ready to pour on us and continue to kind of rejoice in, you know, in his name. Amen. Awesome. Awesome comment. Anybody else? Okay, so I'm going to read one more passage. So so if, if, if we're going back to Emmaus, the, the scripture I was reading in uh, uh, Luke, the gospel of Luke chapter 24, uh, I'm only going to read two. There, I also mentioned Psalm 22. There's there's a couple other scriptures. Uh, there's a scripture in Zechariah about the, you will see the one they have pierced. Um, but I like this one right here. You're going to really like this one. You're going to see... How this and and according to scholars, this is a scripture that puzzled um, even the Jews. They didn't know what to do with it. It was it Isaiah? Who was Isaiah talking about? Go to Isaiah chapter fifty three. And if you don't see Jesus in the Old Testament here, I mean, we could also say that uh, another example is when Abraham takes his son Isaac. He's uh, walking down the mountain, or he's walking to the mountain, uh, I believe it's Moriah, and, you know, God has told him to sacrifice his son, and, you know, there he is, he pulled out the knife, and then God stops him. That's another example, uh, typology, where it's like, uh, uh, Jesus, Abraham is a type of the passion story of Jesus, so, we're, but, but this is so clear, like, when you read this passage, you're going to be like, Ah, oh, I see it. I see it. <laughs> Go to Isaiah uh, chapter 53, verse 1. And the first thing I like how Isaiah starts, it says, it says this, Isaiah 53, verse 1. I'll give you some time to get there. Um, and it's, and so, so my imagination tells me Jesus took them there, Exodus 12, and then Isaiah 53. Check this out. Who would believe what we have heard? So Isaiah is already saying, man, this is kind of hard to believe. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a sapling before him, like a shoot from the parched earth. So when he's saying like a sapling before him, a shoot from the parched earth, like something tiny, something insignificant look at where jesus if you know anything about like 
Bethlehem, insignificant, Nazareth, kind of up in the uh, northern part of Israel, uh, Bethlehem, Nazareth, you know, all the intellectuals uh, uh, resided in Jerusalem, all the important people. Um, it says, he had no majestic bearing to catch our eye. So here the Bible is telling us, you know, Jesus, uh, well, you know, if we interpret that this is Jesus, which I do, he had no majestic bearing to catch our eye, no beauty to draw us to him. He was spurned and avoided by men, a man of suffering knowing pain like one from whom you turn your face spurned and we held him in no esteem are you kind of getting the picture about this man here that uh isaiah is is, is telling us about and it's going to get even more intense here we're going to kind of see we're going to jump into the passion really clearly Yet it was our pain that he bore, our sufferings he endured. We thought of him, and the disciples of Emmaus thought of him as stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But, here goes the but, but he was pierced for our sins, crushed for our iniquity. He bore the punishment that makes us whole. I mean, if like, like it's so clear when you read this. He bore the punishment that makes us whole. By his wounds, we are healed. We had all gone astray like sheep, all following our own way. But the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. Though harshly treated, he submitted and did not open his mouth. Like, look at this passage. Like a lamb led to slaughter or a sheep silent before shearers, he did not open his mouth. Seized and condemned, he was taken away. Who would have thought any more of his destiny? For he was cut off from the land of the living, struck for the sins of his people he was stricken to grave among the wicked a burial place with evildoers though he had done no wrong nor deceit was found in his mouth but it was the lord's wish will to crush him with pain by making his life as a reparation offering <laughs> i mean this passage is so clear that i've heard i've read that you know, Jews who were resistant to seeing Jesus as the Messiah, when they saw this and they eventually compared it to the passion of Christ, there's been a lot of conversions. It's, it's, this is such an amazing passage, especially this part. He bore the punishment that makes us whole. Imagine Jesus telling these men like, hey man, you guys think that he was stricken. You guys think, but let me tell you, you're becoming whole. You, you're able to become whole now. Don't walk away. Come back to Jerusalem. Embrace, embrace him. Embrace Jesus and you'll be made whole. But the Lord laid upon the guilt of us all. 
like a lamb led to the slaughter. Uh, any, any comments on this? What do you What are you guys getting from this? Honestly, like as I'm reading or well, as I'm following along, the only thing that comes to my mind is Jesus and the cross, and how he stayed quiet throughout the whole passion. Like they were hitting him, they yeah. were calling him names, you know, and. Even then, he stayed quiet. He didn't say anything. All he said was, "God, uh, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That's all they're saying. But he had the power to, you know, to stop it. But he didn't. And that's it all was. I'm thinking of it. Like, tell me, like that connection be- from this passage to the to the cross. It's just... Amen. Any other comments? Um, I want to say that um, he accepted, you know, the cross. He carried his cross, and he accepted the the will of God, and he just um, abandoned himself, basically, um, in his will and like his hands, his father's hands. So I feel like um, that's what made him strong and to continue like um, till the end. Man, I want to make one point. This passage was written hundreds and hundreds of years before the actual passion. So, okay. Any other comments? Feel free to jump in. Feel free. What is this passage telling you? What 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 part of that? It, it was like I read about ten verses. So. Or what part uh, of these verses uh, get to you? Anyone else? Feel free. Sorry, can I say something? Yeah, please, his, please. Um, his, his silence, um, that's really deep. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I, um, I have felt like that um, where I'm just silent. Um, you know, uh, through whatever process, I'm, I'm, I'm just silent. And um, I guess, guess maybe I don't know what he exactly felt, but maybe it was a just a, it could be like a deep sorrow or something that, mm-hmm. or he just mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what he felt at the moment, but his silence really touches me a lot. Ah, okay. Anyone else? Backtracking off of what Anna said, that silence. Um, all I see personally is um, God's calling for us to to be like him because at some point Jesus asked him if you can take this cup away from me like do it like his human flesh right <clears throat> but his faith comes in and his father's will that's so strong enough to be willing to accept the will of his father with no questions asked. And so that's what stands out to me the most is the fact that we can take this passion and his silence as an example of God knows what's best for us. He has a purpose for us and being able to accept his will because he knows what is good for us and what he has planned for us. Amen. Awesome. Anyone else? 
yeah, I just want to share something really quick, if that's okay. Of course, man. Um, so talk, uh, remembering the the, crucifi the crucifixion, the death of, of Jesus, right? Kind of reminds me of this quote by, uh, I just want to share this quote real quick, by uh, St. John of the Cross. And he once said, whenever anything disagreeable or displeasing happens to you, remember Christ crucified and be silent. Amen. So I just kind of, that first, that quote just came to my head. like, And it's hard too, because like when someone does something to us, like, especially for me, like when, you know, you're walking or someone cuts you off or like you're walking and someone's about to run you over, let's say, right? It's like so easy to tell them, hey, man, what's going on? What's your problem? You know what I mean? And it's like, and it's like, because I'm still in that, I, I'm, I'm trying, you know, but it's like, I just feel like that whole, like when Jesus, I can imagine what he went through. Like, you know, like just it said, the lamb that was worthy, right? So it's like, imagine when he was going through what he was going through. It's like he could have, he could have rebuked them all. He could have destroyed them probably, or he could have done something to get off the cross, right? But he didn't. So I think personally, I think like I feel that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate test of humility when something bad is happening in our life, or when we feel like someone's whatever. It's like I feel like we're just supposed to, I guess, meditate it in prayer and just be silent. So it's like, I don't know. It's just that that just that whole humility. It's like. Sometimes it's hard to to humble ourselves and be quiet and be silent when someone's talking bad about us or saying something. But it's like, I feel like the ultimate example is Jesus on the cross. And it's just like, I don't know. It just, it's just amazing. I don't know. Yeah, you, I mean, excellent points. Excellent points. Anyone else? Anyone else have a point on this uh, passage? There's a very famous passage. I, I really like it. I mean, uh, uh, I, it's really focused on, it says, uh, he bore the punishment that makes us whole and by his wounds, we are healed. And the way I like to interpret it, this part, it's like, I don't know. I'm sure every single one of us on this uh, Bible study have gone through re rejection, right? I grew up in a neighborhood where because of my culture, because of my background, like I experienced racism very, very clearly. And I would say it left a deep mark. It's probably the root of many of my addictions. And I definitely developed a victim, victim thinking, you know, or stinking thinking. And um, I would always say like, well, why did I go through that? Or I'm a, I became the bad one in the family because I went through this and I went through that and, my parents labeled me the black sheep, but you know, the interesting thing, it says he bore the punishment that by his wounds, we are healed. Like now through sharing our experiences, as we turn them over to God and we share our testimonies, other people are healed. And so we get healed by reading this passage about Jesus, but also when we share our stories, our testimonies, other people out there are being healed which I think is so important why everybody at the sower should be preparing to give their testimony, should even write it out, you know, and, and, and share it with other people because your story is going to produce healing. Oh, I wasn't in a gang. You don't need to be in a gang. Oh, I never use drugs. You don't need to use drugs. Sometimes, you know, those are awesome testimonies. People that came out of drugs and violence and the mafia, but your story Whatever you went through is important. So encouragement 
to share. Any other comments on this passage before, before we go back to Luke 24? Okay. All right. Let's go back to Luke 24. So Jesus, I took you through two passages. I said you can include Genesis 22, Psalm 22. Um, let's go back to uh, the gospel of Luke. And um, okay. So verse 27, I already read that. And then um, verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, so Jesus just gave them a cool little Bible study, right? These guys are motivated. They're like, wow, you know, imagine a Bible study by Jesus. Whoa, man, I would have liked to have been one of these two guys, right? <laughs> so it says, um, uh, as he was going, he gave the impression that he was going on farther. But they urged him, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, right? And it happened that while he was with them at the table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, gave it to them. And with that, their eyes were open and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way? The two recounted what had taken place on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And I like to say that this is a good example of the mass, right? We divide the mass into two parts, right? Um, you know, the liturgy is, is, is divided. You know, if, if, if I'm, I'm, let me not make a mistake, Deacon, uh, the liturgy of the word, right? My, 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 and then we go into the second part of the mass, which we move over to the table, right? So you can see that clearly in this study, right? Jesus is there walking with them, explaining the scriptures, and then he goes into the house with them, and then he breaks the bread, and that's where they recognize him. So I think that's a good question for us as Catholics, you know. Um, how come they were able to see Jesus then the breaking of the bread, but not as they walked along or even as he read the scriptures. Any ideas, opinions, thoughts? You can even get deep and mention transubstantiation. <laughs> Any thoughts? Any thoughts, Deacon? Yeah, yeah. The, the breaking of the bread was a very intimate moment. Yeah, they, they, they were able to be really connect on a personal level with Jesus and, and really um, see each other, you know, way more than just on a casual walking by. They really took time and 
connected and listened and saw and ate. They shared food and that was a really intimate moment that they had with Jesus. And it's like they were able to like exhale. And when they exhaled, they were like, wow. <laughs> you know, I see something new today. Amen. That really changed their whole life. Amen. And that's, that was a powerful moment. I've, I've had those experiences. Um, probably the, the best the time I can compare it to is on the um, Holy Thursday when um, when the altar is stripped down and we expose the Blessed Sacrament and we just are allowed to have quiet time in the presence of Jesus. And I get to see him for myself, right? And I get to, my eyes get to be opened again. Amen. And I get to hear, I get to hear what he has to say to me. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Any other thoughts on this amazing passage where they, you know, imagine they're walking with Jesus. He's sharing the word and then bam, they see him. They recognize him. Why do they recognize him there? That's a good question. Or why did they recognize him in the breaking of the bread? Jason has a thought. I was thinking like, it's like a foreshadowing, I thinking of uh, what's going on in the mass. Like they didn't see him then right in front of them. And then as soon as he did the trans, uh, uh, I can't say anything. Uh, as soon as he, you know, does the miracle of changing bread into his body. And that's when they realized he's really, really there. And that's kind of like a foreshadowing of the, of the mass and what happens every day in the mass. Amen. Awesome point. <laughs> Anybody else? I know there's other people on the Zoom. Any thoughts? Or even if you want to share an experience with mass, what does mass mean to you? And there's been a lot of uh, indirect references to the mass. When we go to Exodus 12, right? The meal, consuming the lamb, right? Um, you know, some of the words Jesus says in the uh, the Last Supper, you know, this is the blood of the new covenant, right? I can tell you something that, that uh, experienced, uh, something I experienced uh, when I went to uh, Metanoia in Chicago, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because I was there um, as, a, you know, just to work and then, you know, for the radio and and then I was like a security guard and then putting recordings and all. I was doing everything. And uh, but one of one of these years I went to Chicago and, and I, they put me like a like the guard guarding the the blessed sacrament as they're uh -huh. walking around the procession. Yeah. And and I and I was right behind, you know, the blessed sacrament and I was just like, uh, whatever, you know. And I was just you know, following the procession and and didn't think about it. But then as I was looking around, everybody being emotional, and I started to to feel this this presence and feel like like a, a an, an apostle walking with Jesus 
through the the crowds as yeah, they're begging for miracles, like the lady who touched the garment wow. and, and the miracle. And I was like, wow, this must have been like how I felt like walking behind Jesus. Amen. Any other any other thoughts? Thank you for sharing that, Jason. That was really nice to hear. Um, for me, it was literally this past weekend with my partner. We went to Mass and we received um, the body of Christ. And before getting there, I was like, I believe, I believe, I believe. And I kept saying that in my head. I kept saying, I believe, I believe. And when, you know, the priest gave it to me and I was able to receive it, I literally felt like I was floating. Wow. Like, it was just a very un... What is it? A magical experience that I had. Um, because I really opened myself, um, to God and the lessons he taught me, like, you know, these two men who were, you know, just kind of strolling around disillusioned and God taught them a lesson right then and there. And he was like, I'm here. And I think that's like what I kind of experienced, when I received, you know, the body of Christ, it was like a reminder that, you know, like you said, the powerful quote, like he makes us whole, like, you know, through his wounds, we're able to be like healed. So yeah, I had that experience this past weekend. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Any other one? Okay, so I guess I'll wrap it up by uh, just sharing one. So in uh, 1990, from 1994 and uh, 95, maybe I was, uh, I had a child in the uh, year 90, 94, and uh, I lived with this person. So obviously I wasn't taking communion. I would go to mass still, but I wasn't receiving communion. And uh, I had a conversion experience and then um, um, I started getting involved in church. And then eventually, you know, uh, I, ha I had a dream where in my dream, I heard a voice in Spanish say, you have to confess. This is a true story. So I waited three weeks. I finally went to confess. And right around those three weeks, my girlfriend left me. So then I was informed that I could take communion, you know, after I you know, confess for living in, in sin and I, I could receive communion. So I began going to St. Clement's church here in Santa Monica and I started receiving the Eucharist. And all of a sudden I heard God's voice like very clearly say, go out to the streets and talk to people about me. So I started doing that. And the crazy thing is I would uh, go out to Venice back in those days. Venice was very crazy. There was a lot of drug, drug dealers and drug addicts. And, you know, a lot of them were my friends, but 
they would see me out there with the Bible and they thought I, they, they thought it was a joke. Like, come on, man, like put that Bible down. And so I would run into this, this man, his name was, uh, Shug, right. And, uh, he was always smoking crack and God would always take me right to this man right after receiving communion. And I'd hear God would tell me, go down this street, this street. I could clearly hear his voice. And I would always run into this one gentleman who was, I would always catch him. He was smoking crack. I would talk to him. I would pray for him. And he told me, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, my family goes to church. And I was like, really? But, but you smoke crack. And he's like, yeah, my family all goes to church. So he said, call my mom. So one day I call his mom. I get on the phone with her. I said, Hey, I found your son out on the streets. And she's like, Oh yeah. You know, he dropped out of the church. He wants to be a fool and smoke dope and stuff like that. And anyways, I would always catch this man. I would always pray for him. I would always share with them. And eventually I stopped going out to the streets. I got involved in ministry in other ways, the juveniles. And a few years ago, I was at 7-Eleven here in Venice and I got out of my car and I saw somebody get out of a car and I looked at, it was that man. I mean, this is, uh, that was 94 and this was a few years ago. And we looked at each other and he told me, preacher? I said, yeah. And he asked me, are you still preaching the word? I said, yes, I am. And I asked him a key question. I said, do you still drink and use drugs? And he told me he wasn't. And I thought, wow, you know, like, all that time, you know, I was in, I would receive the Eucharist. I'd go walk the streets. I preached to a lot of different uh, drug users, but God seemed to have like a special, like pointing me into this guy. And when I heard that he was sober, I thought, wow, God is really amazing, man. Like usually today I'm not going to tear up, but whenever I share that story, I always start bawling, you know, cause it's like, um, I don't know, like God has a special love. And even when we're lost, like, you know, he's out there trying to reach us. And uh, I don't know. So if there's any more questions or if you guys want to break out into a, a discussion, uh, uh, yeah, let's let's break out into a group or, or Rosa, take take over. 